We make decisions all the time. We make choices all the time. It's every day from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. We've made choices and decisions all day long. Some choices are so clear. You know, we already know we don't cheat on our taxes. We don't lie to our spouses. We don't commit adultery. We don't steal from our neighbors. We're to worship God only, not some false God. We're not, you know, all of those kind of things. We already say, oh, I know those are right from wrong. But then there are other decisions that, aren't really quite as clear, but some of them we don't even give a thought to. We don't give a thought to what socks to wear, what shirt to wear, what time to eat lunch, necessarily what TV show necessarily to watch. We might say, well, I want to watch that one, but then something else comes on. What route do you take to work? Well, I take the same route every time. And you think, so it's so easy. Some of, those, some of those decisions, we don't say, Lord, do you want me to go this way or this way? Do you want me to wear this shirt or this shirt? Do you want me to wear these shoes or these shoes? We don't really normally think about it that way. But then we have decisions in which we say things like, where do you want me to live? Who do you want me to marry? What church do you want me to go to? What job do you want me to take? These seem more important. We say, it seems more important than what socks to wear as to who to marry. But the truth is, you don't have any more revelation from the Scripture. You know? And so we, we start saying, how do we make decisions? Well, we make decisions, they're not all the same. And we said that one of the problems with the, the old view is that you make decisions out of fear, and all decisions are equal. Well, the truth is this. When we have biblical revelation, we know right from wrong where to obey that. But when we don't have biblical revelation, we have freedom to make wise choices. And we're going to talk more about that in, in, in uh, about two, three weeks from now. We're going to be going into details on how in the world do you make a decision when you don't have biblical revelation. Are there some steps? Are there some things to go by? I've even got a handout that I'm going to give you that the handout says, is this decision found in God's Word? And if the answer is yes, it tells you what to do. If it says no, it tells you what to do, okay? And so we're going to look at it and say, what does all this mean? Now, when you start thinking about God's will, we said there were three big things. There was God's sovereign will. That's what He does. It's, 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 in a sense, it's, it's unknown because the sovereign will of God, we don't know exactly what He's doing. We don't know what He's doing in our lives every day. We don't know what He's got for us tomorrow. We know He's made some promises and some plans overall, talking about the end times and things. But the best way to know God's sovereign will for your life is look at yesterday, and you say, that was God's sovereign will for my life. We have the specific will of God is what He actually expects. That's found in the Bible, and He actually tells us what we're supposed to do. And then last but not least, we have what we call the general will of God, and that's what He allows. And it's freedom, freedom to make choices. And so the sovereign Sovereign will of God will be accomplished. He has ordained it. We can look at the past and we can say, okay, that's what God's plan is. We can look in the scripture where he says, I'm going to come get you. There's going to be a seven-year this. There's going to be a thousand-year this. So we got things that he told us he's going to do. But as a sovereign will for your own particular life, he really hasn't told us very much about that. Now we're looking at the specific will of God. Now this is basically what the scripture tells us to do. So if you said, I want to know God's will for my life, his specific will for my life, where would you go to find it? The Bible. You'd go to find it. As we begin, there are really a lot of places. In fact, look, look at this. Uh, when we talk about specific will of God, we could actually say, when you go into the Scripture, and there are places in there that tell us what to do. Now, not every command in the Bible is for us. So you have to look at the context. That's why we always take, say, you look at it historically, literally, grammatically. What's the context? How does it flow? If there's a command there, is it a command for us or is it a command for somebody else? Whatever it is. But think about this. There are places in the Bible. What does he tell us? He says, run the race with endurance, right? 
Are we supposed to run the race with endurance? Yeah. Are we to stop letting sin reign in our mortal bodies? Yes. Are we to study to show ourselves approved? Yes. Are we to love one another? Yes. Are we to teach the word or preach the word? Uh, over and over, we got all these commands. And, and many of them do apply to us. So if you said, what does God want me to do? I would say, he wants you to teach the word. He wants you to love one another. He wants you to run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He wants us to stop letting sin rule our lives. He wants us to study to show ourselves approved. So those are all God's will for your life. But what I want to do, in fact, we could put it this way. We realize that any command in God's word that applies to us would be the specific will of God. Now, there are places in the Bible, and this is why I just wanted to do this, but this week and next week, I want you to see this. We're going to look at a little bit of detail. Places in which he actually says, this is God's will for you. He's writing to believers. And so if you said, is there any place in the Bible that actually says, this is God's will for me? Yes, there are. And we're going to focus really on about five places in which he says this is God's will for our lives. And remember, any, any command that applies to us would be that. When it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you're a man, a husband, you, that's what you're supposed to do. That's part of his will. If it says, wives, do this, be subject to your own husband, you're supposed to do that. When it says, children, obey, you're supposed to do that, those kind of things. So we realize that any command in the Bible that applies to us would be the specific will. But I want you to see five places. It's going to take this week and next week because I wanted to go in a little bit of detail. And some of this you already know, but I think it's important that we stop and say, God has told us this is his will for you and for me. So the first one is in Ephesians chapter 5. It's verses 15, 16, and 17. And simply put, God's will for our lives is to live wisely, making the most of the time that we have. That's what he tells us. Let me read the verses for you. Look at verse, look at Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 15. He says, therefore, it's a summary, he said, therefore, be careful how you live, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. He just told us in verse 1, walk as wise people. Make the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. And he goes on to say, so then don't be foolish, be wise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is God's will. God's will is that we live wisely, making the most of our time. We could just stop right there and say, okay, that's God's will for your life. If you said, I don't know what God's will for my life is, I'd tell you what it is. It's to live wisely, making the most of your time. That's what he tells us to do. Let's look at it a little bit more. He says, therefore, be careful. Summary statement. Careful how you walk. The word walk there is a Greek word, peripatao, which means to go around. It's used for lifestyle. So he's saying, basically, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. So you want to be wise people. And then he goes on to say, make the most of your time because the days are evil. We're going to talk more about it in just a second. So the very first thing is this. Live wisely, making wise decisions. And how do you do that? You know and apply the word of God. Notice what he says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. He says, live wisely. How do we do that? How do you live wisely? You go back to the what? To the Word of God. You know and apply the Word of God. You know, I told you last time that one of the key things, and, that, and I do it, and I did it this morning, and I do it every, every day, is that this is the ninth, right? And so I read what? Proverbs 9. And then tomorrow will be 10, and then it'll be 11. And when you get to the end of the month, it's 31. There's 31 of those. And so every month you're, leading, you're reading wisdom material, wisdom literature. Now, it's all over the Bible, and there's the Proverbs and the Psalms and Ecclesiastes. There's even a lot of wise stuff in there and those kind of things. But he's saying 
be wise. Be careful how you live. Not as an unwise person, but a wise person. That's why he says in verse 17, so don't be foolish. Foolish is opposite of wisdom. And so he says, know and apply the word of God. We already know that knowledge by itself does what? Puffs up. If you have knowledge without application, you have pride. Because you say, I know that. Well, I know that. Well, I know that. Well, I know that. In fact, some might even be saying, well, I know this. Yeah, are you applying it? Are we applying it? Because knowledge plus application equals wisdom. That's why he says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so that is the key. Let me read something to you. I've got, I've got their Colossians. You don't have to turn there, but listen to this. It's the next book over, uh, a little bit further down at Philippians, Colossians. But listen, listen to what he says. This is Paul's prayer for the believers in Colossians. Listen to this. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we've not ceased to pray for you. So Paul says, I'm praying for you, and here's what I'm praying that to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How do you know his will? How does, he says that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. How do you have the knowledge of his will? That's wisdom and understanding. It goes back to the word of God, and that's why he then goes on to say, so you can walk worthy, a manner worthy of the Lord. So he says in Colossians, he says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that you can live wisely. And that's what it boils down to. So Paul's prayer, be filled with the knowledge of will. In Ephesians 5, he tells us how to live, how to live wisely. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but in Ephesians 5, 2, he says, walk in love. In Ephesians 5, 8, he says, walk in light. And in Ephesians 5, 15, he says, walk in wisdom. So if, you, if we want to be wise people, we walk in love, we walk in light. Light means holiness. So walking in love means loving one another. Walking in light means uh, living righteously and godly. And walking in wisdom is living out the scriptures in our lives. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to be unwise people. I want you to be wise people. So who should be wise people in our culture and in our world? Christians, we should be the wisest of all the people. We got the, we got the book that has all the wisdom in it. I mean, sometimes I turn on television and some of these people are talking, and they say things that are the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Do you agree? And you want to go, where do you get that? They don't get that from the Bible because they don't know the Bible. They're not even in that. That, that whole realm of life is based on what they see in the world and all that. And so Paul, or the writer, Paul would write and say, listen, don't be unwise. Don't be foolish. Be wise. So out of people in this world, who ought to be the wise people as we live in a fallen world? It ought to be us, exactly right. We ought to walk in light, walk in love, walk in wisdom, and all of that. And so he basically says, live wisely. But there's a second part to this thing, because we said live wisely, doing what? Making the most of our time. The word literally in the Greek means redeeming the time. It means to purchase the time. It means to buy it back. God says, I'm giving you 24 hours a day. I want you to purchase it wisely. I want you to buy it wisely. I want you to redeem the time. He says, making the most of our time. Literally in the Greek, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are what? They're evil. What does it say? The days are evil. You live in a fallen world, don't you? And there's a lot of evil stuff out there, right? Not only evil thoughts, not only evil people, not only people saying stuff that's stupid, but there are people who are saying things that are evil. There's people saying things that are dangerous. He says, listen, you live wisely making the most of your time. 
One of the things we don't always think about until you get older. And when you're younger, you don't think this way. So any of you that are younger in here, you don't think this way. But when you get older, you realize life is just what? It's a vapor. And where you thought 20 years was a long time, 20 years is not very long. Am I right? Is 20 years short or long? It's short. Is a lifetime short or long? It's short. It's over before you know it. James says it's a vapor. We're just passing through. And so the bottom line is we all have the same amount of time. It's entrusted to us to use it wisely. You can't say I don't have enough time. You can't say I didn't have enough time. You can say I chose to do something else. God says, here's my will for your life. I want you to use your time wisely. I want you to live wisely in a fallen world, making the most of the time that I've given you. So he says, don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Notice verse 17. So then don't be foolish, but understand what? What the will of the Lord is. He said, understand God's will. So this very first one that I want you to remember, I want you to write this one down and say, okay, my goal is to do what? Is to live wisely, making the most of the time that God's given us. Now, where are we going to get wisdom from? The Bible. When James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives little. Where does God give it to you? In the Scripture. You've got the Bible. You've got the Bible that tells you the wise things. Okay, so the very first one that we need to hang on to is live wisely, making the most of our time. There's a second one. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2. And it's verse 13, 14, and 15. And here's the second will and that is to submit to the authorities over you. Now, sometimes we don't like that. As a human being, as a fallen human being, as a human being with a natural bent to sin, anytime somebody says you need to come under somebody else's authority, you say things like, I don't think I have to. I don't know who told me I have to. Uh, nobody tells me what to do. Oh, yeah, they do. A lot of people tell you what to do. Let me tell you, your teacher tells you what to do, and the policeman tells you what to do, and the government tells you what to do, and you, you just say, well, I ain't paying my taxes. Well, yeah, you, you'll be in a cell somewhere because they're going to come get you. I mean, th- let me just tell you, there's authority, right? And so the second big thing that God says is I want you to submit to the authorities over us. Notice uh, verse 13. He says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, in this flow of this passage, it's going to be, the context is going to be the government. But there are human institutions in which God has set it up where people submit to authority over them. Notice what he says. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's a king or the one in authority, or governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Notice, for such is what? The will of God that you by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. They're foolish people who don't... When people don't come under authority, what happens to them? They get in trouble. You know, we talk about teaching kids, and you teach kids right from wrong, and you say, don't do that. If you don't do that, you finally get... Because let me tell you what, if you don't get them where they come under authority... The authorities are going to get bigger and bigger in their lives, and eventually they're not going to listen to policemen. Eventually they're not going to listen to their teachers. And they're going to go to jail, or they're going to get killed one way or the other. That's what happens to people who do not submit to authority. They usually end up getting killed or getting put in prison. That's what happens. And so Peter writes this and says, listen carefully. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's a king as the one in authority or governors sent for the punishment of evildoers, for such is the will of God. 
come under the authority. Now, in the context of this, under the authority, it's the government sent to punish. The, you know what the, the role of the government is, according to the Scripture? Is to punish evildoers and praise those who do right. Now, sometimes we see the opposite. We see the thing like people who do evildoers get away with it, and people who seem to do right sometimes get into trouble. That's because there's faulty governments. But he doesn't say rebel against the government. When, when you think about the government that Paul and Peter lived under, what kind of government was it? What was the government that Paul and Peter lived under? It was the Roman Empire, right? And, and, and the Roman Empire did whatever they wanted to do as a whole, especially to a non-citizen. Now, if you were a citizen, you had rights. Peter, uh, Paul was a citizen. And when they beat him one time and grabbed him, and they were going, Paul says, I don't think you can do this because I am a Roman citizen. They went, you're a Roman citizen? He said, yeah, oh, you're right. We, got, we can't do that. But to a person who wasn't a Roman citizen, listen, if you're a Roman citizen, they couldn't crucify you. That's why they killed, uh, best we understand, they killed both Paul and Peter. Or they killed Paul by cutting his head off. Now, was Jesus a Roman citizen? No, he wasn't. How'd they kill him? They crucified him. So, under the laws of the government. He's basically saying, obeys the laws of the government. So, let me tell you what that means. That means if you pay taxes, you pay taxes. If the speed limit, I know this is a hard one. If speed limit is 65 or 70, uh, we're supposed to obey that, aren't we? Now, if you break it, what should you expect? Punishment. Okay, 172 bucks. Right? You go, <laughs> right? Well, that's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? What was the law? 70. What were you going? 78. Okay. You were going faster. Some people say, well, that's not moral. Well, it's, it's found in Scripture, is it not? Obey the laws of your government. Romans 13. Romans 13 says, obey the laws of your government. Okay? That's a hard one. Notice, for such is the will of God. So when we talk about that, it gets really hard. So now, let me, let me get to this point. Nowhere do we find Jesus saying, rebel against the Roman government. Nowhere do we find Paul saying, rebel against the Roman government. Nowhere do we find Peter say, rebel. And let me tell you, was the Roman government good and fair or not good and fair? They, we weren't good and fair. If you were a citizen, there were some fair things. If you were not a citizen, you had no rights whatsoever. None whatsoever. Half the world during the time of the Roman Empire, half the world were slaves. Half the world were slaves. And so you would think that Jesus might say, because remember, what, what was, the, what was the, the, when they took Jesus to Pilate, what did they say the charges were? Do you know what they were? Remember? Can you remember? He claims to be a king. That means he's going against the government. He, and he refuses to pay taxes. Did he pay taxes? Do you remember the time that, uh, I don't know if he had any money or not, maybe he didn't have any money, and, uh, uh, and, and somebody had gone to Peter and said, I understand Jesus doesn't pay taxes. And Peter said, I think he does. And so he comes back, and Peter sees Jesus, and before Peter can say a word, Jesus says, Who, who's supposed to pay taxes? And, you know, they kind of go through it, and, Peter, and he says to Peter, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go fishing, and you're going to find a fish, and when you pull that fish up, there'll be some coins in there. Pay our taxes, Okay. That's what Jesus told him to do. Jesus, when they came to Jesus, they wanted to trick him, and should we pay taxes? And what did Jesus ask for? Give me a coin. And he says, Who's, whose image is on it? Caesar's. So he says, you give to Caesar what belongs to him. You give to, whose image are we made in? God, who do we belong to? The coin belongs to Caesar. We belong to God. 
We're made in his image. The coin was made in Caesar's image. Jesus said, you give to Caesar what belongs to him, and you give to God what belongs to him. That's us. So Jesus never said, don't pay your taxes. Jesus never said, rebel. Let me ask you a question. What was Matthew's job? Because we're studying him, right? What was he? Tax collector. Who did they work for? Huh? They for, okay, here's a Jewish man named Levi, Matthew, working for the Roman government. Was he liked or disliked by the regular people? Disliked. Okay, now, if you remember the, the, the disciples, there was Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and a guy named Simon the Zealot. What's a zealot? You know what the zealots were? They were a group of Jewish citizens who hated the Romans and, or anybody that worked for the Romans, and they killed them. They, they would get into crowds, and they had these little swords called sacries, and they would come up behind somebody, and they'd stab them and get away and just walk away. They, they hated. They, they killed Romans, and they killed people who worked for the Romans. Now, Jesus had 12 disciples that he chose, and one of them had worked for the Romans, and one of them hated the Romans. He brought them right there together, did he not? Now, did Jesus ever say rebel against the government? No. Did Paul rebel? No. Now, is there a time ever to rebel? Should we always do what our government says? Is there a time to disobey? Yes. If man's laws disobey God's laws. Listen, there are times, uh, historically, that sometimes the laws of people contradict the laws of God. Now, people say, oh, abortion. Yeah, say, no, there's nobody in this government yet making you abort children, right? Nobody can say they... Now, at the time of Moses, the government told any boy baby born, do what? Put it to death. That, that's the government telling you to uh, kill children. And Moses, Amram and Jochebed, Moses' mother and daddy, they didn't do it. They didn't obey. And they hid him and then put him in that little basket, okay? Now, so whenever the government tells us to do... What if the government said, y'all can't meet on Sunday mornings anymore? What are you going to do? We're going to meet. We're going to meet. If, what if they said that you can't have a Bible study in your home? There's some places in California that have actually said that you can't have Bible studies in neighborhoods. You're just going to have a Bible study, I think. What if they said that I can't teach the Bible the way it's written, that there's certain patches in there which are hate speech, so you can't use them? What are we going to do? We're going to teach them. We're going to teach whatever the Bible says as we go through the Bible, verse by verse, passage by passage. You remember at the very beginning, after Jesus died and rose again, and he was gone, and then the disciples were out there, and they were telling people that Jesus died and rose again, and that he had been crucified, he was alive. And the religious leaders, who were a government themselves, under the Roman government, they came and they got him. And they told him, no longer can you talk about this man, Jesus because you're making us look bad, okay? And what did they say? They said, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this man's name, and yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you've intended to bring this man's blood upon us. That's the religious leaders. You're making us look bad. You're making us look like we're the ones that killed him. They were. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. There comes a time, possibly, there may come a time in our lives in this country where we disobey the laws if the laws are contrary to the Bible. 
And we have to be willing that if we're under a government and we stand against the government, even though it's right to stand against, we may have consequences. And that's happened throughout history when people chose to stand for God contrary to, to, uh, to their laws, which were contrary to the Scripture. Sometimes they suffered. And there are places in the world today that if you believe in Jesus Christ and then get baptized publicly to show that you've trusted in Christ, they could kill you. The people in India that we, that we support, those 27 tribal pastors, they're in southern India. They told me they can stay in southern India all they want to, or they can tell everybody, but if they go to northern India, they'll get killed. Because in northern India, they don't allow it. But they're going to still do it. They already know. If I go to northern India, most likely they may kill me. But that doesn't stop me from proclaiming the gospel. They're staying mostly, and there's a plenty of people in southern India. So they don't have to go to northern, but there's plenty of people in southern India. So when we talk about authorities, think about this. There's, there's, there's authorities of parents. As long as you're under the authority of your parents. I, I always have this story, and I know it's time is up, so I've got to go real fast. But I remember a college girl came to me. As long as you're under the authority of your parents, what do you do? You obey them as long as you're under the authority of your parents. A college girl came to see me one time. She was a freshman, and she'd come off to college. And her mother told her that she had to be in by a certain time. And she was really mad. And she came to me, and she said, my mother tells me I have to be in at a certain time. I said, okay. She said, but I don't like that. I'm in college. I ought to be able to do whatever I want to do. I said, let me ask you a question. You paying for your college? No. Who pays for your dorm? My mama. Who pays for your food? My mama. Do you have a car? Yeah. Do you, is that your car? Well, actually, it's my family's car. Who's paying the insurance? Right? So you're not paying any of this, are you? Right? So you're still under their authority, right? Right? I said, obey your mother. I don't like it. I said, okay, here's what you can do. You can move. You can say, I don't need to take any money from you at all. I will buy the car from you, or I'll go buy my own car. I'll get my own insurance. I will, uh, move, I will live wherever I want to live, and I'll pay my own stuff. She said, well, I can't do that. I said, why not? She said, well, it's going to cost me money. I said, well, that's right. And as long as you stay under the authority of your parents, what should you do? Obey them. Obey them. The authority of bosses, what if your boss... Now, if your boss tells you to do something wrong, what do you do? If your boss tells you to do something illegal or wrong, you say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You may get fired, but that's what you got to do. But most of the time, they're not asking you to do something like that. They're saying, go do that. And you don't really want to, but you're going to go do it because that's, you're under the authority. Did you know there's the church leadership, Hebrews 13, 17? That the believers in a local body, when you join and you're a part of that local body, you're to come under the authority of the leadership of the church. A lot of people don't think that way, and they say, I'll do anything I want to do. I'll just walk out the door. Yeah, that's what most people do. They don't like something, they just walk out the door. But you couldn't do that in the first century because there wasn't a door. <laughs> you, you went to another church, that church was all connected. So they'd say, you can't come in here. Well, we left the other church. We well, can't come in here. We can't li- you can't leave house churches in that way. So bottom line, authority. So... God's will is to submit to authority. So here we got, living wisely, making the most of our time, and submitting to the authorities that are over us. That's what we've seen. So let me give you some quick applications so we can go to grow groups. Let's understand the three aspects of knowing God's will. There's the sovereign will, the specific will, and the general will. Sovereign will, he's going to do. Specific wills found in the Bible. General will is freedom to make wise choices. Let's understand God's specific will for our lives. And the bottom line is this. The specific will is found in the Word of God. That's where you go. And any command to us is God's specific will. And if it's to us, now be careful. You can't just apply everything because not everything's written to us. But wherever it applies to us, we can do that. The third one is let's live wisely doing what? 
making the most of our time. That's what we want to do. And number four is let's submit to the authorities that God has placed over us unless they want us to do something contrary to the Bible.